Welcome to the Caregivers Crew, a place for caregivers raising kiddos with special needs and disabilities to come together for wisdom, resources, parent and expert advice, as well as laughs and companionship. I'm your host, F.A. Odelia, and I'm also the founder of Sojourn.com, a new digital health home base designed to help you and me, parents like us, raising kiddos with special needs, disabilities, or chronic health conditions to receive the care, coordination, and community we need. If you have not already done so, please be sure to visit us at Sojourn.com. That's S-O-J-O-R-N-E. In this podcast, I'll teach you how to organize your schedule, find critical resources for your child, protect your mental health, and grow in your role as a caregiver. I also want to make sure that we're filling your cup. So while we won't glamorize the tough journey ahead, we also won't make it tougher. Let's laugh, share the load, and leave encouraged because we all need to stay fueled for what's ahead of us. All right, are you ready? Let's get it. Hey crew, I hope you're having a great day or winding down from having had a great day. So would love to jump into today's topic. Today we're going to talk about what to do when they're staring. And the they is anyone, um, typically folks who we don't know, they're strangers, folks who you are maybe having a common experience with if you're at a park or maybe they're folks at the restaurant or park people at very public places. So that's the they. We are going to talk through a couple of guideposts that I use. I know there are a ton of strategies, there are a ton of opinions, and tons of ways to handle this. And my disclaimer is up front that there is no right one way to handle this. But I'll share with you what I have grown to do and what um, has felt right for me increasingly over the years and what I've kind of moved away from. And I'd love to get some feedback and hear back from you as well as to what's worked for you, what didn't work for you, what you regret doing, what you have done, that you're happy you did. So please definitely make sure you share your feedback. So I'll start with telling you two stories um, that reflect two different points in time, vastly different points in time. So the first was when my daughter um, came home um, from the NICU. She was in two different NICUs for the course of three months. And by the time she came home, she was about a newborn size. She was still very underweight. She was around the four four pound mark. And so she had been on the the planet earth for three months at this point. And I was in Target and I had her in bundled up and had her in her car seat. And a woman walked by and she was just craning her neck and peering into my cart and saying, oh my goodness, look at the newborn baby, look at the baby, how old is she? She's so tiny, how old is she? And part of me wanted to say she's three months old, but I knew I couldn't because that would just elicit um, stares and a reaction. And it's, you know, technically not right. And, you know, just that was her actual age, but then you kind of adjust and NICU parents would know what I'm talking about when we say what's their, you know, their gestational age or the age they would have been. So you kind of correct in terms of, of that. 
So I just said, oh, she's she's a few days old. And she's like, oh, my goodness, she is so precious. Oh, God bless you. And that's it. And I probably wouldn't have answered that. I, that woman was particularly invasive <laughs> and just extra pushy. But most people would just look and stare. And my baby, even though she was a four pound, she was, you know, four pound baby's pretty slim. So I sometimes got looks like, oh my goodness, just curious looks, you know, and I, I have no idea what people were thinking, but most people were wise enough not to, not to ask. So at, at that point when my child was just coming home, still small, still tiny, but I couldn't quite tell the story of this is what a premature baby looks like. And I didn't, I didn't feel compelled to. So I would say my first marker, my first guidepost is when I'm in public places, I don't make it a point to explain my situation um, to people. I don't, when you think about what's happening, you're, you may or may not be experiencing some discomfort in a situation with the stairs or, you know, sort of that, that curious pause that, that's, um, that comes from people's looks or sometimes from people's comments. You're also maybe trying to manage their discomfort or their curiosity. And then you also have to think about your child's need in the moment. And so I would just, my guidepost is that when I'm in a public place, I make it a point to not feel then, you know, compelled to explain. And I've had to get there. I've had to grow to get there. Um, I'll tell another story. This happened quite recently. It's not quite a year ago. Opposite ends of the spectrum. Now my child's 10 years old and we are, or she wasn't quite 10 at that point, but she was coming up on her 10th birthday. And she was excited to, this was around the Halloween season, and um, my church had a, you know, some event with candy and bags houses and music and all of this stuff happening. So I'm like, okay, this sounds fun. <laughs> Let me make sure she can participate. So I invited my parents just so that there would be extra folks to help with my son as well, who's um, a typical child. And I also made the mistake in hindsight of inviting my nieces and my nieces and my daughter are um, best friends. They're much younger than my daughter, but she can relate to them because they are small and they're interested in a lot of the things she's interested because they're young and developmentally, my daughter is just interested in things that, you know, smaller children would be interested in. And so here we are at our church grounds with bounce houses, candy, music, and and my my nieces all of like some of her favorite things in one place and her grandparents her favorite people on earth all happening at the same time and it was it was sensory overload it was probably one of the worst meltdowns my daughter's had some meltdowns but i would say probably the worst I've ever experienced because, not because of people's stares, um, and f a few folks actually attempted to be helpful in in, the, in that situation, and I'll, I'll explain how and why, but because it also 
impacted so many other people's experience and and my parents' health in a sense. So my daughter was refusing to get out of the bounce house. She's, you know, she's very tall. She has um, precocious puberty as well. And so she's, she's just taller than her peers anyway. And she's in a bounce house that's, you know, um, one of the ones that younger children would, would like. And she sort of sits at the base of the slide and refuses to proceed down the slide. And the kids are coming down the slide and they're having the hardest time getting around her. And they're, some of them are sliding and bumping into her, like the four and five-year-olds that are just like, whatever, she's not moving. But the bigger kids who are coming down the slide are like, uh, trying to like topple off the slide before they hit the base so they don't run into her. And my daughter's just sitting there and screaming, they're hitting me, they're hitting me. And I'm like, Tammy, move, move, come move. And I'm at the, you know, I took my shoes off and I'm at the mouth of the bounce house, extending my hand, asking her to come join me. And she refuses to. And she's screaming and saying, they're hitting me. And she's kind of trying to defend herself against what she's calling hits. But it's really the kids either sliding and moving around her attempting to move around her or unsuccessfully um, managing to move and hitting her sort of as they slide down. And other parents try to get involved and tell their kids like, no, 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 don't wait. Why don't you go around? Don't don't come down the slide. And it just became a bit chaotic. And my dad was like, this isn't, we can't keep this up. Now, truly, we're affecting other people's experience here. And so he crawls inside the bounce house and pulls her out. And we get her to the mouth of the bounce house and she drops her weight. Um, and at this point, she's about five foot four, 130 plus pounds, drops her weight. She's the size of a small adult. And my dad tried to keep her from falling, tries to cushion her and he comes down. And then my mom runs over and she tries to get help them up. And she's she's falling on the ground as well. And I'm like, what is happening here? Let's stop. So we pulled her, pulled, um, and, and this is, it's hard for people to watch at this point because they're like, some folks may have guessed, maybe she, you know, this child definitely has something going on. Um, some of the, the people from church just know my daughter and know our family. And her cousins are kind of like, what do we do? What do we do? But luckily, we, you know, thinking ahead, this was one, the one, one of the few things that I did right in the situation, just made sure I had enough adults um, there for the experience. So my sister takes her kids and she takes my son. Um, I asked my mom to go ahead with them so they can keep trying to salvage what you know the remaining portion of this time out and myself and my dad deal with her so we try to do a safe restraint so she's hitting and she's pulling but we just surround her just trying to keep her safe and she refuses to get up so I told my dad like we're not going to get on the floor with her we're not going to pull her up just yet we just need her to try and calm down And let's try not to, you know, we're trying our strategies. And at this point, I did have, I did have someone walk up and say, do you need anything? Do you, you know, I'm a trained um, special education teacher. 
um, do you want me to try to intervene and help? And I appreciated that. I love that it, it was clear at this point to people who who were trained and, and got, you know, understood that this child is having a meltdown and there were strategies that were at play and they recognized us um, employing some of these strategies. And I said to <clears throat> I said to the SPUD teacher, um, thank you so much. Um, unfortunately, my daughter will only respond to people she's familiar with, and I wouldn't I wouldn't want you to get kind of get cra- caught in the crossfire right now. And she totally understood, and she said, "Well, I'm going to hold the door open for you when you guys are ready to transition from here to you know get through the parking lot because that's what we were trying to do at this point, make our way to the parking lot. All of that to say." Did we have stairs? Yes, we did. We were in a public place. I did not feel the need to explain to everyone except to the people we um, impacted. And I apologize and I thank the parents whose kids, (laughs) as we were pulling, you know, my daughter out of the bounce house, I did, you know, say thank you. I'm sorry. You know, my daughter's on the spectrum and she's having a meltdown. And there was just the nod. I get it. No problem. Um, Because I physically my child physically impacted them or their child and so in that moment I felt it was okay to say but I just wasn't looking around and saying I'm sorry everyone I'm sorry everyone I'm sorry this is happening because this is life and this is what this is going to happen and it's I can't we're in a public place I'm not (laughs) moderating your experience you're living your life. You can go in another direction. I'm living mine. I'm trying. To, I know the direction I'm attempting to go in. And so I would say, again, in public places, for me, I know that was an, an event and people were there to have a certain kind of experience. And like I said, I felt it was okay in those moments for the people I directly impacted to extend a an apology to and a very high level explanation to because they were literally physically impacted um, by what happened. And then others were gracious enough to hold the door open for us as we were at some point we did have to restrain her and get her to the car and just people being understanding and seeing what was happening and knowing it, it looks hard and it's unusual, but choosing not to stare. And in a lot of cases for parents who get it, and they're also parents and maybe they don't know quite understand what's happening, but they know something unusual is happening. Also encouraging their children not to stare. I did see some parents saying, nope, we're not going to, we're going to keep playing. We're going to mind our business. We're going to go this way. And always a nod to those parents who teach their kids, not necessarily mind your business, but just don't be rude. Right? Everyone's going through something. No one would intentionally try to not enjoy an experience and and then also try to destroy other people's experiences um so even if you're not really familiar with the world of special needs you know that something's happening and it's maybe a little bit unusual but let's not make it worse i'm gonna mosey on to my second guidepost and that is in a private place um, I, where a guest where, or guests have chosen to spend money and have a certain type of experience. If I'm also in that place with my child and my family and we are disrupting that experience, this is a time where I do feel, um, I wouldn't say 
obligated, but I do offer more readily an apology and um, maybe an, an explanation. And I'll say this about a time when we were in a restaurant and I, my daughter was, was, it started off well, I think. <laughs> she had things to color with. She had her tablet. She had things that she enjoyed. And it just kind of decrescendoed um, as what really, what it really was, was the, the wait at the restaurant. And so I think that um, to our guests who were behind us in the next booth, who heard the screaming and the things falling off the table, <laughs> you know, I did feel um, more, I was, I did kind of turn around and apologize for the noise and the experience and they understood. I would say this though, I always, when I'm in a, when I can, um, when I'm in a, a private place or having um, a an experience, a paid experience, and I'm not able to wind my daughter down, I personally, I'm not saying that other families have to do this, I personally wrap it up and leave because I do think that I personally don't enjoy myself if I'm I'm sitting there and I'm not really enjoying myself because my daughter's having a meltdown and I'm having to manage it. It's not fun anymore for me. And it's not fun for the people who are trying to have a conversation with their family or their loved ones or their date or their guests. And they're struggling for airtime over my family's commotion. It's not fun for me. It's not for fun for them. So I don't stand my ground anymore just because I paid for this or I waited 40 minutes to be seated. I'm going to leave early because, not because I'm embarrassed, um, but because I'm not enjoying myself or my child's needs aren't taken, being taken care of. And I can't address them in this situation, in this place where I have these kinds of limitations. So I will leave. I will wrap it up early. I will ask for that to-go box. And um, I've learned not to be salty and not to feel like I I missed out on a part of life. Even if that's true, you'll have you'll have another time at the brunch place that will go well um, with your child, maybe in a different season when they're in a better place or you have some strategies or you prep or it's just a good day for them. You'll have that. Um, so I've learned not to mourn all the little experiences that don't go my way. And it's it's been a hard lesson. My husband might tell you, like, <laughs> he would say, why are you being such a baby? <laughs> like, so you didn't get to, you know, finish this time at the restaurant. Like, suck it up. It's okay. Like, move on. There'll be more, hopefully more times at the restaurant. Um, or he's like, or, you know, next time they'll like, go by yourself or take your girlfriend. Like, why are you forcing this? And I'll tell you, I, f I don't quote, unquote force it because I want my daughter to, I don't want to, to permanently be barred from having, um, brunch or lunch or meals in public with my, my daughter. Cause I do want her. It's a social thing that I'm training. I am training her on social skills on, on like dealing with, some of the sensory experiences and prepping for those for her. But I've also just as, as a mommy, my, my mommy heart, like it's okay. There'll be another time. Um, so when I do have stares or, you know, looks in those situations, um, if you're like looking at me and from across the restaurant and giving me a dirty look, I'm just going to look at you like, huh? 
you know, if you have something to say, no, I'm kidding. I, I'm, I'm not confrontational, but I will just, I'll just ignore it. I, I just ignore those stares. But if you're immediately in my vicinity, I do, I do turn around and say, thank you so much for your patience. I really appreciate your grace. And sometimes that's enough. People get that. And that immediately takes it from them being, saying, you know, WTF in their heads to, okay, like she's, this mom is just working through some things. This family's working through some things. And I don't always have to tell them my daughter's on a spectrum and she has this and she has that. But if I just say, thank you so much for your grace, I, we really appreciate you. Those words have been so disarming and they've turned the tightest frowns <laughs> and faces um, like neutral or like, no problem, we get it, no. Same thing with the plane. I used to have to travel with my daughter a lot and I would apologize to my plane mate because you can't move and <laughs> it was a random um, drawing that landed you next to us. So um, at that time, my daughter's she it was more about her not being able to sit and her talking a lot or um you just having just having a lot of nervous and a lot of nervous energy so i would apologize for getting up a lot <laughs> just asking them, you know she would maybe hit them with a toy or this or that or elbow or just move and want and fidget and those were the kinds of things that uh, I had to apologize for, or kicking the back of someone's seat. Those are the kinds of things you apologize for. They paid for that seat. It's being kicked. I think they would prefer for it not to be kicked. So don't feel, um, caregivers, moms, um, guardians, grandpa, whoever, don't feel, my encouragement to you is don't feel um, less for apologizing. Um, develop your own guideposts and don't feel obligated to apologize for everything in every instance and for me you've already heard my two major guideposts the first one is if we're in public hey it's we're in public you know i don't i don't owe you an apology um people play loud music at the park they smoke this that and the other they sunbathe there's lot you can't control what people are doing in public and i can't control my um, child who's on the spectrum in public and is having a meltdown. So I, I um, manage her behavior. I manage, I can control me and my response. And, you know, your experience, you can move to another side of the park. <laughs> if you're not enjoying it, that's okay. We're not going to be here forever. Um, but for paid experiences, I do feel the need. Or if, if I directly impact you in public, you know, my daughter's dropped down to the ground while grocery shopping or in a Target or in a Walmart and my cart bumps into someone else. I'm going to apologize. I may not tell you what's happening, but I'm just going to apologize that I've impacted you and your experience. And like I said, what 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 do you do? What can you do for someone who's in this situation and you see it? And I know a lot of parents like us will quietly just, you know, send love and positive thoughts to our or our prayers to our our um, caregivers that we see dealing with the meltdown and the struggle. But I would encourage you to be vocal about your encouragement. And sometimes I will say that vocal encouragement has been life-giving to me in certain situations. Um, I've had 
moms and I can almost remember some of these women's faces um, tell me like, mom, you are doing a great job. You are amazing. Keep doing what you're doing during meltdowns. And when someone tells you that who doesn't know you or I've even had people and I'm a I'm a hugger and I think I'm I wouldn't call myself an empath, but I think I love people and I love um, I love encouraging people. I love talking to people like I can talk to you in the grocery store if I didn't have anything else to do for an hour. And we could just we like I can just strike up friendships like that. And so I've gotten hugs from people. Um, to do that for, to that for people. I, because of that, because I've received that when I was a young struggling mom and having those meltdowns and situations where I felt small, where I felt embarrassed, um, because of I, I, me not understanding my child's behavior, me not being able to control it or address it. Over time, I've now become the mom that goes, hey mama, you've got this, right? And I, I can say that to people because my quiet encouragement isn't going to... I believe that all things kind of come, get where they need to get. But in that moment, I, I bet you if that mom who's struggling with that meltdown had a choice of you just sending her your positive thoughts or you opening up your mouth and saying to her, hey, mom, you've got this. Keep doing what you're doing. I bet you she would take the ladder. So with that, I'm going to leave you all. Um, definitely develop your own guideposts. Don't be, <laughs> you know, um, dogmatic about in this situation, I do this. What what feels right to you? And but moreover, focus on what your child needs in that moment and what you need in that moment. And don't worry about what everybody else needs. All right. Crew, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for coming on this journey with us. Uh, please be sure to check us out at Sojourn.com where you can just continue to grow your, hear more stories and just grow in your path. And we look forward to having you inside the community. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to the Caregivers Crew. We know that this journey is not one that you can walk alone. So make sure to join our community at Sojourn.com. That's S-O-J-O-R-N-E. We can't wait to have you. All right, crew, stay strong, stay encouraged, and stay connected. And we'll see you in the community.